Blog Talk Radio. Well, this is going to be a surprise to everyone. Welcome to a special edition of the Indie Cafe on the Red Velvet Media Network. And uh, today we do not have intro music because our studio has kind of have a little glitch. But what's really cool is my guest um, and co-host are both here, Spencer and Denny Daniel. And today's show is the Museum of Interesting Things. Um, I believe the chat room is open. And I wanted to let anyone know that if they go into the chat room, you do need to create an account. But you can listen um, on your player, and you can also download the show immediately afterwards on iTunes and also on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio. What I'd like to do is bring on both my co-host and also Denny Daniel. And Denny is going to help us with our intro music today from what I was told. So... Let me bring everyone into the studio here really quickly. And Denny, why don't you go for it? We talked a little bit about the music. Go, go. Wow, that was great. That's for opening music. Wow. <laughs> now, tell, no, 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 tell our listeners a little bit about how you played that and what, how, what it was and everything. That's very interesting. So you were basically hearing the first record player. That is uh, oh, Thomas wow. Edison wax cylinder record player. Mm. Wow. And, and we were playing an actual wax cylinder. It was a two-minute cylinder. And the person you were hearing uh, was Ada Jones, one of my absolute favorite, favorite artists on Wax Cylinder. Uh, oh, she wow. was kind of the Lady Gaga of the time. <laughs> and um, those, those, that was invented around the late 1800s, uh, and that disc was probably around late 1800s, early 1900s, maybe 1901 or something at the, uh, at the latest. Oh, fantastic. You know, that's really cool. So this is like the stuff that we need to talk about. And um, what I'd like to do before we start our show is um, let everyone know um, I have my co-host with me as well, Spencer Drake from New York. And um, and then Denny Daniel, you have a, a thing called um, the Museum of Interesting Things. It's an actual museum, right? So yep. I would love for you to talk a little bit about that because I know it appeared on the History Channel, the Science Channel, lots of publications and there, you know, I love, I love museums and, you know, I always go, usually I try to go every year to the Smithsonian. It's been a while, but um, this is very interesting. This is going to be on my bucket list now. Wow, this is great. (laughs) So, Denny, why don't you talk a little bit about um, the Museum of Interesting Things and about yourself, and I know that you also are a fellow musician, so this will work yes. really well into our show. So, yeah, go for it. So the Museum of Interesting Things is a, is mm-hmm. a traveling museum. We actually go to schools, cool. libraries, 
and we do a lot of events now too. Um, and I've even opened up my space and do some private shows here. And we kind of teach people um, that their, iPo- their iPods, their iPhones didn't pop out of thin air. <laughs> came from a long line of inventions. Really? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, um, it brings back like curiosity. We get people to tinker with stuff. We actually let people, you know, even kids, uh, touch the antiques. They get to actually handle wax cylinders and so, mostly the cellular wow. cylinders. So it's hands-on. It's a hands-on type thing. That's really, that's really good because they actually get to really embrace a lot of it, I think, that way. Um, yeah. Yeah, when it's more tactile, people can under, you know, Mm -hmm. you get almost the energy of the item. And it brings back that kind of, like, greatest generation feeling of, like, uh, you know, that positivity they had. You know, that feeling of tinkering, that feeling of show must go on Mm -hmm. that they used to have. Yeah, you know, that that part, that's really interesting. Yeah. Let's talk about some, some of the, the exhibits that you have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. exhibits. You know, calling it the Museum of Interesting Things, at first my brother thought that was crazy, but it allows me to do almost every subject. So we can go from a suffragette show to a World War II show. Um, oh, wow. And we have, uh, like, popular specialties. Uh, there's a math uh, specialty. There's a toys. There's history of science, history of music. Uh, history of photography, literature. Um, the most popular show that we do at most schools is a show I call Eureka, the History of Invention. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's kind of my, what I call my board. <laughs> it gives mm-hmm. you a little bit of everything. Um, sure. And I'm also on the board of like the Steampunk Society and the 19th Century Society. Who loves steampunk? That's yeah. yeah. Oh, we're doing a Are steampunk some... event tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, are really? you? Hey, I wanted to ask you, thinking about steampunk, my first introduction to steampunk was when I was in Europe, but most of it was in this virtual reality world. Have you seen, wow. have you ever looked and seen any of the Second Life stuff? The Second Life have you ever stuff? Seen? No. Second Life, oh my gosh, everything is steampunk in Second Life, and they've got museums, they've got clothing, they've got, oh, everything you could imagine. A whole steampunk theme revolves around this whole thing, and uh, there's a lot of that. But I know a lot of it's in the real world, too, and uh, I don't really know a lot of the history behind steampunk. Maybe you can enlighten us a little bit about that, because I'd like to know. (laughs) Uh, It's kind of uh, the Victorian era and the Industrial era, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it shows... It kind of mixes the inventions of that era, and then sometimes they'll turn items from that era into artwork also um, and make it into something that you could use in the modern world. So maybe you'll have a computer tape. I just want to come in on this because I'm really into it. I just bought, by the way, steampunk goggles. I I have a pair of steampunk, and I buy some. Oh, you're going to be Willy Wonka, huh? Willy Wonka. Yeah. Willy but, Wonka. Oh, you know, Holly, yeah. i got to tell you about this. The, the steampunk gets into a couple of things. One is like go back in Jules Verne, right? Right then. Yes. And then you go, and then you get, which really the big thing is also the style, the dress style. That's a big thing. So they all get together yeah. Yeah, this, and they dress right good. of the era. 
it's like Back to the Future type thing in steampunk, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's kind of a mix between but it's uh, also Jules Verne and, Will- and Willy Wonka and The Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a Wait, lot of say, it Holly? Victorian. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, exactly. I saw a lot of it was very Victorian. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of, and then I saw, and, and you have to check this out. If you even go to um, YouTube and type in steampunk um, Second Life, they've built buildings that have gears in them and um, like, yeah. uh, you know, wa- a lot of clocks and, and gears and, and, and magnifying glasses and stuff like that. I mean, just very interesting things. But, you know, not to deviate away from what you have um you know, done with the Museum of Interesting Things. This is this is really cool. So you've got all these different areas um, besides that. Now, how do you acquire, this is what I wanted to know, how do you acquire some of the items that you have in the museum? So it's almost every permutation. So sometimes mm-hmm. I'll open my door and my neighbors know that I have lots of interesting oh, wow. things because, you know, I'll go out with a rolling cart with Edison cylinder players and giant horns Aww. and you know, a Nickelodeon wow. and things. <laughs> so they've gotten used to it, and they love the fact that I teach kids. So sometimes I, I've opened my door and found cameras hanging off my doorknob and, oh, you're you know, medical really? devices and records and films. I found at one time a neighbor left me a whole box of 16-millimeter reels. Um, oh, how cool. So sometimes it's donations like that. People come to our speakeasies or when we do – uh, Maker Fair or, uh, you know, a science fair, people will show up and they'll bring antiques with them and they'll donate them. Uh, of course, the Internet is a fantastic resource. Thank God for that. I've gotten many items mm-hmm. that way. When we did, oh, yeah. uh, as you mentioned, I did uh, Pawn Stars and Science Channel. When I drove out to uh, the Pawn Stars gig, we were doing a science museum out in Reno at the same time. And the whole way there... I kept finding these beautiful antique malls on the highways. Oh, yeah. So on the way to every gig, I end up spending all the money I made at the gig <laughs> getting new items for the museum. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, other antique shops and things like that. Um, so, yeah, almost every permutation I, I, you know, I've somehow gotten items from. Oh, that's amazing. You know, that's like going out. I bet, you know, because we used to go out every... Um, Spencer, when I was back east, we, you know, visiting yeah. people, we would go out every weekend. We would go antique shopping, and oh, you know, there's a lot of places up and down through the East Coast and stuff for antiques. But this is just so interesting, you know, that you could do the same kind of thing. But it's like you're, you know, you're just real. That's something that you're really interested in, and something that you find. Um, you know what I want to ask you is. What have been some of your favorite things that you've brought into the museum that really resonate with you? Yeah, people are always curious, like, what is your favorite item? And I never knew how to answer that because there were were so many favorites. There were so many holy grail items. So I realized that I have favorites in genres. So Mm -hmm. for the music genre, you know, my Edison cylinder player that you see on the website with the giant morning glory horn, Mm -hmm. That's my baby. That was one of my fr- that was my first Edison cylinder player, mm-hmm. and uh, I got it from the original family. So their like great grandfather oh. bought one, and they kept it in the Jeez. family until me. And they found out that I teach kids. Yep. So I'm the That's second so... owner of that machine. 
That's if amazing. I was the first owner, I'd look very wow. good. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's and that's pretty amazing. And to give you an that's... idea of how wonderful people are, they found out mm-hmm. that I teach kids, and they threw in the box something and didn't tell me. So when it arrived, I opened the box, and I called them personally and said, do you realize what you put in this box? And they said, we weren't sure, but we knew you would know. And I said, you gave me... <laughs> The needle that cuts a groove, it's called a reproducer, and it's a recording reproducer, which means that I can make my own wax cylinder records. Oh, you're kidding. So we kidding. can go and record. Spencer has done Talking Heads covers. You're, Spencer's a great yeah. designer. Imagine we could record David Byrne on a 100-year-old wax cylinder. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. That's Using incredible. that machine. I almost, how, I, how I couldn't believe made? it. I mean, the wax cylinder, how is that? Can you describe how what goes into that? Yes, it's actually rather simple, and that's another purpose behind the museum. You know, they've made our whole world so complicated. They've made everything so mysterious that everyone's – you hear the word inventor, and you think, I've got to be a Columbia Ph.D. or a rocket scientist, you know, and it's not true at all. Most of our world is so simple. I teach pre-K. I teach kindergarten kids. I teach seniors how sound works, how the telegraph works, how, you know, 3D works. And it's wow. everything is so much more simple, even how a car's engine works. So with sound, when I'm talking to you, my tongue, my mouth makes sound waves. Mm. And then sound waves hit your ear drum what happens when you hit a drum you know it makes a noise you know it's it's pretty much that's what you know that's what's happening my tongue is just making noises so instead of hitting your ear you can hit something like play-doh or something like that or tin you would actually sing into that horn so if you look on the website and see that horn you change the reproducer the needle put in a recording reproducer then you get a blank cylinder, obviously, because you don't want to tape on, a, on one that's got sound on it. So you get a blank wax cylinder, and you sing into the horn, and like a sewing machine, it just etches up and down into the disc. And when you play it back, it should move air the same way. And it does. Wow. That's, and that's amazing. All it is, just sound waves. If you yeah. drop a rock into the water, you see waves. It's just a bunch of sound waves. You know, um, that is just so interesting. And you've done these little, you've done shows, and you've been on Science Channel, History Channel, and all that. And I mean, that must have just been so interesting for you to be able to go out there. How did you get into this? What what brought you into things like you know, learning about them and teaching others about it? I mean, what were you doing as a child that brought you into this? This would be interesting, I'm sure. (laughs) Ever since I was a kid, I've always collected. Mm -hmm. And I've always been a musician writer. So my earliest Mm -hmm. memory, I started writing at about three years old. I started recording because I had so many notebooks at about nine and already had a band that performed for 2,000 people at 13 years old. (laughs) Uh, So we were already doing stuff at that point, and I always... You know, and I was always collecting, so I always felt like, you know, I I should be helping the world, doing something to inspire people. That's what musicians, you know, the the real bottom line with with an artist is, you're always trying to inspire people, trying to change their lives, trying to communicate. Um, 
so all these years I was collecting also, you know, and collecting has to do with patterns and all that. And then I mm-hmm. studied at NYU. When I studied at NYU, it was like literature, history, art, and a lot of stuff like that. And then worked as a, as a filmmaker and a graphic designer and things like that. And when I was doing that, I worked for a lot of companies that were nonprofits, uh, helping people out. Worked at Statue of Liberty in Ellis Island. Did a lot of retouch there. Oh, really? Some New York mm-hmm. Times covers and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, doing retouch. And, you know, uh, eventually I started realizing, even with the film, I wasn't doing what I call a mitzvah job. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. uh, I was collecting and buying things, and I did these, like, symposiums in my apartment. Pretty much people, because I live in the middle of the village, everyone wanted to throw their birthday parties in my apartment. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sure, like, I bet. <laughs> so people would throw their <laughs> parties here. <laughs> and my friends had really famous friends. They had friends that were writers for Mad Magazine and The Onion, DJs on WBAI. So they were my guinea pigs, and I was testing out Mm -hmm. all the items on them. And after about two years of doing that, uh, you know, I was unhappy with, you know, they say sometimes uh, yucky bosses are the impetus for you getting, you know, making your own world. You know, inspiring mm-hmm. you to become a, a, an entrepreneur in some way, making your own way. I call it my Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> mm, so, how cute. So finally, that secretly, I was amazing. doing this. You know, secretly, I was planning this. And then I, after about two years, I called up some very, very dear friends and said, I've been thinking about this idea, some museum idea. And I want to try my, uh, my, origin, my old elementary school. And if that works great and if it doesn't work then i guess i'll have to be a doctor or a lawyer like my mom wanted (laughs) (laughs) and Uh i i tried the school i called newspapers and they said who are you we're not showing up uh and i said oh no you got to see this we're we're gonna have kids touch antiques and teach them what history is like by experiencing it and they're like yeah whatever and three newspapers showed up and i said bring cameras they said you're not getting photography are you kidding you're lucky if you get an article they ended up going wild. The kids loved it. The principal was dragging kids out of classrooms. <laughs> you oh, couldn't I even walk in the room. The place was packed all the way to the doorway and out the door. Uh, we really? did four shows in one day. By the time I was done, I was dizzy. And the newspapers that said they wouldn't even give us an article gave us full-page, front-page articles. Wow. And black-and-white newspapers Great. gave us color. Every article was in really? color, black and white newspaper. And uh, so I, my staff went wild afterwards. They were like, my God, Denny, you should dress like Willy Wonka. And, and I was like, oh, oh God, even God. Excited. So I said, okay, clearly I've touched a nerve. And now all these mm-hmm. years later, it's about 10 years now we've been doing this, uh, I've been having fun and, and teaching people. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream come true, and there's no day job now. This is what I do. How, tell, oh, us I about green power. tell us about the green power tie-in. Mm-hmm. Um, so right from the start, I started, I'm very into the whole, you know, recycling. and green. I, I recycle every tiny slip of paper in my house. It's ridiculous because I figure I'm recycling for the guy who isn't. So that's why I throw everything in there. Um, and, and so I realized that a lot of the museum has a lot to do with alternative ways of doing things. We always think there's only one way to do stuff, 
and we can't think of another way because only an engineer can do that. But a lot of stuff, you know, like the wind-up items, there's other ways of doing things. To give you an example, um, I did a couple of lectures. Every semester I lecture at NYU, the history of film and photography. And one of, the prof- one of my professors from the old days at NYU came up to me and said, you know, because of your museum, I made an interesting purchase the other day. And I said, what would you buy? He goes, I was looking for a doorbell for my house. And I went to the hardware store, and they had all these fancy doorbells. And then on the very end, they had some, like, dusty old thing. <laughs> and I said to the guy, what's that? And he goes, oh, that's nothing. Here, let me show you this modern thing. And he's like, oh, yeah, but what's that one? And he kept showing him the modern stuff. And he goes, but what's the one over there? And he goes, that's just one of these old mechanical doorbells. He goes, uh, <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. do you need electricity? Like, yeah. There's no What's reason real to use electricity. Deal. You know, you just mm. turn a knob and it goes ding, 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 like, you know, the, uh, on your bicycle. <laughs> and he goes, why do I need to use uh, wires, run wires to the door and all this other stuff? It's a doorbell. <laughs> you know, but right. we've, he's, we're so conditioned to think that if the doorbell goes off, there must be some sort of power making it happen. <laughs> you right. know? Wow, that's interesting. You know, that is interesting because, you know, out here in California, um, solar energy and wind energy and all that is really huge. And um, recycling, obviously, is too. Um, You know, Earth Day is coming up soon. I always do a big celebration on Earth Day. Every day is Earth Day. But, um, you know. I was a very popular guy during Hurricane Sandy. I bet. I bet you were. Yeah. I bet yeah. you were. You know, this is yeah. so this is so fun for me because this kind of like reminds me of like all the different things that as a child you want to do and there were not anything there wasn't anything really available, you know, because you know, coming from a certain area and then, you know, having to learn about the things then, a lot of people really didn't know, but technology has just blown away so many things that now it's like I go for the classics. It's like for me, it's like even with music, it's like, you know what I'm talking about, um, Spencer, on this one. Oh, sure. I mean, it's like really, seriously, you know, a lot of it is really just something that we always want to get intrigued in. And and the thing is, we never thought now we were going to think about what was then, you know. there. I wanted to tell you, have you ever seen this – TV show called Timeless on TV. No, I don't know that. Where? One. Oh well, this one's really interesting, and it reminded me a lot of what you do, what you were talking about, because they go back. It's like this group of people, and what they do is, and they're working for the government, obviously, but the government, you know, sends three people back in time to a certain day to prevent something from happening without changing wow. history. And it's called Timeless, and they get in a spear. And, I mean, I've seen them go back to Abraham Lincoln. I've seen them go back oh, cool. to um, Gettysburg. I've, oh, Houdini was a good one. That was a good oh, one, Houdini. really good. Yeah. Um, oh, Houdini's I'm amazing. I'm dying to get a Houdini that. piece in the museum. Anyone listening to this, I've been looking. I, I feel that his energy is really important to have in the museum. Mm-hmm. He was an amazing person. And true. I don't have a piece that... That that he touched. I don't have a piece from Houdini yet in the museum. I have some magic pieces, but no Houdini piece yet. And that's Let's one of the things. They had Houdini. 
They had a very big Houdini thing in New York uh, about a month ago. I got emails on it. I couldn't go. Yes, it was I early in the morning, it. but there was a whole day on Houdini in New York. So the, probably if you link to it, there's some way of connecting, you know what I'm saying, to Houdini thing. You know what I'm saying, Denny? Yeah. Some of the Houdini people have found me. Some in, I did a, a lecture at Pixar um, last month. And the guys at Pixar gave me a tour of San Francisco, and some of the magic people there hooked me up with a few people, and there's some magic people here. I did a Victorian um, uh, apartment here in New York, a speakeasy there, and one of the magicians is also hooked up with the uh, the Houdini Museum over here, and they're like, and I do a lot of shows at Coney Island. So the Coney Island people are totally into me getting something. So I'm hoping that, you know, I'm you know, one of those three connections or, you know, somebody else. But it seems to, if you put a good energy out there, then eventually something falls into your lap, mm-hmm. I find. So I know that oh, eventually I, I it's agree going to happen. with you. Yeah. yeah. I, agree with I, to, uh, I, want, I think I could come in now because I'm going to bring in something as part of the museum that I, I, how I met Denny, but it's part of the museum so we could talk about it. Um, I went oh, to Ben Holly in New York. Uh, it was mm-hmm. called Celebrating the 100th Anniversary of 3D Cinema. I think it was at the Maria. Denny yep. and John Zolinka were a partnership for this event. I'm actually and, on the board uh, it was now. All about 3D. Uh, okay. That's where I first saw some of the stuff there. Really? That Denny had. But then cool. they showed 3D. Really? Now, this is what's mind-blowing, and I did not know this, and Denny knows this, but some of the films shown go way back in 3D, right, Denny? I mean, we're talking yes. about way back. Right. Yeah, the early 1900s. And 3D technically began as photography in the early 1800s before. We have pictures of Abraham wow. Lincoln. So it goes wow. before Abraham Lincoln by at least 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. So we've had 3D for I a heard, long time. I heard about that, yeah. That's amazing. I have a reproduction of one of the Abraham Lincoln slides, and I have an original of the Abraham Lincoln funeral 3D picture. Really? really? Going down Fifth Avenue in New York. Yep, I've got the funeral. Oh my God. Wow. That's a really rare one. Um, uh, Pierre, Pierre uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Lamoureux or something. He had a film. Oh, yes, Pierre. He did a 3D on Joe Satriani uh, doing some music in a studio yes. in 3D. And also Pat that was Matheny. amazing. Pat Matheny. And he also Pat did Matheny, Pat Matheny. Yeah. yeah. And I love yeah. Pat Matheny. He did that... that um, orchestra that was like a player piano on steroids every single item it was just him and a bunch of mechanical things <laughs> that he midied wow. and it was unbelievable oh, really? i was dying to see the pat metheny piece and he was the guy who filmed it in 3d i was like oh man why did i meet you after you did that because i would have <laughs> loved to have gone to that show i want to i haven't wow. seen the 3d footage of it but i've heard it's amazing but that wow. show tell me that, tell me about that, that. We, yeah because i want to know more about that being that you so said that you show, were on the board the, now, yeah. After that show, they they elected me to the uh, to the board, and I've been where. And actually, awesome. I host the monthly meeting at our loft in Soho, where I do my speakeasies. Um, nice. And that collection that you saw, Spencer, is now about three times the size. Now I can fill the entire right. room with the 3D collection. I can do only 3D. That's and incredible. I got to tell you, Holly, to see this, you'll go, you'll you'll love this. I mean, just to see these. Different oh, I'm artifacts. sure. And you're using them. Inter- it's like an interactive thing, just using them. Yes. I mean, he's got these all kinds of, I don't know, uh, what do you call the viewers where you see the, stereoscopes? the old spots? The viewer- mm-hmm. What? The stereoscopes. Yep. Stereoscopes, yeah. yeah. Stereoscope that was kind of the YouTube and the Google of the time. 
And I've got a couple you of know, hundred slides for those. That's yes. so cool. Really? That's so cool. Wow. No, no, no. I want to hear about this. You know, one thing that um, I know, Spencer, I kind of touched on it with you, but Denny, one thing about I wanted to tell you was my favorite subject in school was science and also creating oh, wow. things. And I was going to, I oh, wanted to be this. an astronomer. I wanted to be an astronomer, and I went to space. I went to space camp twice, and I wow. wanted oh to be God, an astronomer. Yeah. I did. I swear. So and cool. I wanted cool. to be an astronomer, but yeah, back really cool. back when you know we were, you know, they were p- taking people in, and it was all set up. I was going to go, you know, work at NASA and go to school and stuff, but My I really was awful. I was awful at math. And um, that you can't be, you can't. But now everything's so digitalized, it's like, okay, right. you push a button and it tells you whatever. But the thing is, this is really inter- intriguing to me because, you know, there were so many things that I, like, used to do when I was, you know, a kid. And now here, um, I don't know if you know, I'm in Northern California right now, um, but I have about probably about 10 telescopes on my pro- around around wow. here i mean i go out i'm like i love and i belong you, to all these astronomy clubs you have to it's visit new york like, and and uh, see the telescope yeah. i just got from the cradle of aviation curator he got really? me a giant over four Ooh. it's almost a five foot wood and brass telescope a wood and brass oh nice yeah, it's mostly wood with some brass, you know, hardware on it, but it's a wood telescope, and it's frighteningly beautiful and huge, and it goes I on a giant uh, tripod that's uh, that's also uh-huh. about four or five feet tall, the wood tripod. It took up his entire uh, den, and I walked into the room, oh. and wow. he was, you know, they I knew he had stuff for the museum, but... I thought he was just showing me this. And he goes, and I said, wow, that's amazing. And he goes, do you want it? And I said, you're kidding. That's one of the oh items. Oh, my gosh. He goes, yeah, my wife wants me to, like, clean house. <laughs> oh, wow. Said, okay. <laughs> and I I took it home, and it's supposed, I've spoken to the uh, telescope uh, groups here, and they tell me it's probably one of these, like, you know, uh, what do they call it? Um, not folklore. Um, folk art. Uh, pieces where oh, somebody yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. made a Frankenstein telescope out of other items, out of other telescopes. So they mismatched it, yeah. Yes. And yeah. those are kind of cool because it's like, That's you know, it's amazing. real like, you know, uh, oh. you know, retro and funky. And I'm dying to mm-hmm. put it up somewhere. We're hoping that we get a physical space someday. We'll always travel to schools. Uh, because I just right. think it's important to teach. Uh, that's the most important mm-hmm. thing in the museum. And to go to them makes it easier on the schools. But everyone wants us to have a permanent location. And we're starting to talk to some mayors uh, and some towns, so if anyone listening, um, and hoping that they get us a, uh, a space that, you know, like a whole building. Because it would take up a whole Oh, that would be amazing. That's what we need yeah, to do. We need to, really great. like, get the word out there. Because I'm going to tell you, when I was younger, I used to spend my all my time in planetariums all over, you know, different different places in the oh, world. Cool. And, you know, planetariums to me are just like so magical, you know, because you get to see so many different things. And um, like yes. being so interested in stuff like that. So I would really love to see you do this. And also we want to get you a Houdini piece. That would be really that would be, be cool. something that I think you would really yeah, love. Yeah, there's a lot of really things. great 
Now, I'm going to ask you something. This sounds may sound a little off to you, but I don't think so because I think you're on the same wavelength. Do you have any pieces that have, like, energy um, with them um, that that came with them? That, um, that the thing feel? that I mentioned in the mm-hmm. museum is right up that alley. I mentioned to people the pieces in the museum, there's something about mm-hmm. them where they have three energies. They have the mm-hmm. energy of the original maker. So if it, whether right. it's Edison or just the guy who made it, something about you can see when kids or adults walk up to the items, you can see that they can tell it's magical. There's something about it that just makes them go ooh and ah. So there's something mm-hmm. about the person that made the item, I feel. There's something about the owners, the original owners through history, because it's 100 years' worth of people using it and the history behind the item. And then there's something mm-hmm. about apparently my energy and now the museum, it, it joining the museum and having a kind of P.T. Barnum, George Tillieu, Staple Chase Park, Coney Island, you know, thing to it. So now they have a whole new life to them. And you could tell when someone walks up to my Nickelodeon, which was called a mutoscope, by the way, back then, um, when mm-hmm. they walk up to the mutoscope and watch Charlie Chaplin or Trip to the Moon, when I do Maker Fair, there's literally a line all the way down the block of people wanting to put a quarter into this Nickelodeon and watch 30 seconds of Charlie Chaplin or Trip to the Moon. Meanwhile, all of them could watch it for free on their YouTube, on the telephone. Wow. But they'll, they're, they'll go to their parents, um, can I have another quarter? I want to see it again. And I'm yeah. like, there's just something about the energy behind the items that, that mm-hmm. uh, translates. So they all have an energy. And then there, I, I, I do have some items that are part of the spirit photography era of the late 1800s and early 1900s. Because mm-hmm. when I heard about those things, I, I specifically bought those things because that was a whole genre that was really fascinating that Arthur Conan Doyle oh, yeah. believed in, the writer of Sherlock Holmes. And I have his book literally two feet from where I'm standing. You're kidding me. Photography. Yep. Are you serious? That. Yep. It's yeah. an Ooh, unbelievable book. I, ha- I and, totally have to come and see this stuff. And yeah. he and Houdini argued about <laughs> that. <laughs> Denny, do, do you have the box cameras through the old old box cameras? That's so funny. In the presentation I did today, I had three uh, three kids here. Well, they were in their I guess twenties or thirties, and they yep. and I said to them the words that you and, and I and Holly know so well. We just go, oh yes. And nowadays people go, what's that? The brownie <laughs> camera. Oh wow! Oh, wow. The brownie camera. Us, How could you kidding. not know a brownie? And like that's right. That's exactly over. Right. I'd say about seventy to eighty percent of the people I talk to have no clue what a brownie is. They never even heard the word. And I I'm bet. like, I bet. I'm like, how did that happen? It it happened within less than twenty years because it was only twenty years ago that they existed. <laughs> like twenty, thirty years ago, they in the eighties and the nineties they still had brownies. People knew brownies. Right. People oh, had true. brownies. That's it amazing. was a household word to us, mm-hmm. and now it's dead. It's gone, and yet we know what a, people know what a Victrola is, and they don't know what a brownie. Oh is. yeah, and I'm like Victrolas are a hundred years ago. There were no Victrolas in the '80s. Nobody played Boy George on a Victrola. Uh, <laughs> you know? I know you're gonna. I, mean, I know you're I do. Do. I just saw on your I DJed at the Astro Place Kinkos at 3 o'clock in the morning. Boy George, <laughs> I can't get fired now so I can say this. We used to have, we used to have, we used to have parties 
<laughs> in the in the speakeasy, we would have speakeasies in the Astor Place, and we would show movies all night. And I would DJ on two Victrolas, and we had mannequins. Oh. We dressed up the place. We went from a store that was losing money to the number one store in the entire country. And Ventura, wow. California, came out here and said, "What are you guys doing?" We couldn't tell them we were throwing parties in the middle of the night. They'd kill us. <laughs> like, I ended up getting it's in trouble. It's like midnight was... at the museum, where everything comes alive. Didn't you love those yep. movies? Oh it my was god! Crazy. But but we were the computer geeks that got all the work done. So we'd finish wow. all our work by two a.m., three oh, a.m. Great. And if we fit, and I was the computer, I was the supervisor, the night supervisor uh, for computer services. So they said if you finish, I finished the entire week's work, not just that night, the whole week's work. Oh yeah, I bet. So we got accounts like Citibank, and Bank of America because people were like, the other stores would say there's some crazy guy on Astor Place that finishes all the work (laughs) and then throws parties. (laughs) So we would party from like three, four in the morning till six. There are pictures you know, of it with Denny, the, the editor of Propaganda Magazine and wait, wait. I. There's a picture of the editor of Propaganda Magazine, Fred, and me, and two mannequin heads, and two Victrolas, <laughs> and all this black lace in the middle of a Kinkas. <laughs> we took a picture because no one would believe us. But, you know, I wanted to bring oh, up that. something, Denny. You, you were Sorry. talking about the brownie. Well, people don't even remember the old Kodak. I used to use it on photo shoots. The photographer would take those, mm. you know, fast Kodak pictures before he set up a shot. Oh, the and Polaroids. Most people, yeah, the Polaroids. And people, that's sort of phasing out. I mean, people oh, just, people know about it, but then younger people won't know what that is. You know what I'm saying? No. Really young. You yeah. know, that's you true. But, you know, it's really weird. It. You know it's really weird. I have but, to I have to bring this up. Polaroids coming back. People are d- yeah. starting to use the Polaroid cameras a lot more now. They're starting to reproduce. Back. Yeah, the print, the um, film, um, and uh, the Polaroid camera. Mm-hmm. So there's a group but for I the do. wax cylinders. There's a group for mm-hmm. Polaroid. There's a group for wet plate photography. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. everything. Things that really? nobody would think would come back are coming back. And it's it's, yeah. it's wonderful not because for several reasons a because of that wonderful feeling of you know that feeling that made this country that that mm-hmm. we could make it happen that feeling of like yeah. hop on the horse shoot from the hip you know now everyone's so afraid and everyone's so you know uh, people are so mesmerized by things and everyone's so busy in that they fear. don't you know yeah right so I gotta, so I gotta tell you so I t- uh, Denny, I took a trip in 1967 with two friends on Route 66, you know, and, and going wow. across. This is 1967. But the story wow. is this that ties into your museum. My friend Jim Dwyer, who taught, um, anyway, he took a box, the wooden box camera that, you know, the photographer for uh, shot Abraham Lincoln, you know who I'm talking about, and he, with yes. the big, um, you know, big plates in it, and he took radio, pictures along the way with that camera. Can you imagine? Wow. That's, That's awesome. Right? And I've got those cameras. I've got giant three-foot Kodak box cameras that still oh say God. Rochester Camera Company on them. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and I have, I have know many what? brownies, but I have the very rare 3D Kodak brownie. Oh, wow. Well, they made really? one That's model. The they only made 5,000. Really? Mm. Yeah, that one's right in my wow. living room. One of my Holy Grail items. 3D? Oh, my God. Your Holy Grail. 3D brownie. Oh, my God. You know what I want to do real quick is give out your website, which is www.museumthings.org, 
And well, I also want to make sure everyone knows that. And Museum of Interesting that, Things as well. You can yep. go to museumofinterestingthings.com and .org and museumthings.org. Because I, I went, I, I know a lot of handicapped people, and I was watching one of them type with one finger, Museum of Interesting Things, and I felt so bad. I said, we got to get a short one, too. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so I got well, a you're quick also on yeah. Facebook. Yeah, you're also yes. on Facebook. You have the Museum of Interesting Things on Facebook. And the phone number oh. I have on your Facebook page is 212-274-8757. Yep. And um, that's so really interesting. So if you're a teacher or anything. Yeah, and if anybody wants to get in touch with you, um, and you've got some really amazing things on here that I think are just, I love how you dress up and the time periods um, with the speakeasies. I'm looking at that you and Spencer would know. I bought most of that is from Trash and Vaudeville on St. Mark's Place. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yep, uh, Trash classic, and Vaudeville is, classic, has clothes. Classic. Jimmy has got me all the clothing is from Jimmy, if you remember him. Uh, yeah. Uh, the blonde guy, the tall blonde yep. guy uh, who's dressed everybody. He's been there forever. Um, okay. And in my pocket, I always keep, believe it or not, and this is two Holy Grail items, I keep a part from the original Enigma machine from World War II and wow. a piece of the transatlantic really? cable from 1858. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. And it's a that's Tiffany incredible. section you know, of the transatlantic cable. That's that's, inter- that's wow. amazing. <laughs> that's really amazing. Yeah. You know, the pictures on your page at Pixar are really fun. Um, it looks like you had a really good time when you went out oh to Pixar. Oh, my God. It's so much fun. And I did Design Con. That's why I, I originally was flying out there for this convention called Design Con. And oh, really? they do like computer stuff. Yeah, that's why I was going out there. The Pixar person just happened to be a person who came to my apartment for one of the mm-hmm. apartment shows. And he was just, you know, uh, he he was Blown a away friend of somebody. And he loved it so much that he came back and flew his mother from Germany. So he flew in from where you are in California, and his mother mm-hmm. flew in from Germany. They met in New York, wow. and I gave them a private show in the apartment. And then I told him I'm doing Design Con in California. He goes, that's not even an hour from my office at Pixar. Would you talk at Pixar? And I said, yeah. (laughs) And I brought zoetropes and proxinoscopes and 3D stuff and lenticulars and everything. And one one of the workers at Pixar actually donated an item from his collection. What did they give you? In the early days, he gave me a really cool... What did they give you? He gave me a piece that was a Pixar piece that he designed when Pixar was mm-hmm. was the early days because he's been there since mm-hmm. the beginning, since almost the beginning. Oh, wow. And he he was doing Pixar when they were doing Listerine commercials. <laughs> wow. So he had a lenticular postcard that was an advertisement for Listerine in 3D that said Pixar wow. on the back. So it, it says Listerine. Wild. It's a lenticular picture, a 3D picture of a Listerine bottle in like the water or something in like an ocean and then on the back it says Pixar and it's so funny because you're like Pixar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no 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 absolutely. Like story people. They're doing listening yeah, no. you know, postcards. Uh-huh. But I guess it was the early I'm days looking, and they just had to make you money. You <laughs> really have a lot of fun when you do these things because I can see these pictures, you're just having so much fun. Um they almost look like Yeah, it is. You really are are, do you have children yourself? Uh, no, the world is my children. <laughs> That's oh, my awesome. Cat. Yeah. No, and I saw you have a lot of cats on here, so 
Yeah, cats oh, one are really cat. special. <laughs> I saw, I saw, yeah, the one cat, cute cat. Yeah, Tristan. Yeah, he is a he's a rescue, oh. and he's actually part of the show because he was he was named after what named most of the museum. Um, my professor at NYU, uh, Michael Hannafin, was a huge mm-hmm. inspiration. By the time I graduated NYU, I'd already bought 250 antique books off the streets of St. Mark's. If you remember, they used wow. to sell the antique books wow. right on the street and on like on like towels. And I'd bought the first book I ever bought was the Iliad, with an Alexander Pope preface from 1882. Oh my and I was god! Like, this can't be for real, and it was like five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and that was my first book. And and Hannafin taught me all those books. And he passed away the second year of NYU. But I took all of his classes and ended up with that literature, you know, and everything else. And so I named uh, Tristan and Isolde was one of the books he taught me, which is the first Teutonic tale, and I named the cat after Tristan. Uh, I love that name. Where is the museum located in New York? So um, it's basically a traveling museum, but um, my base on Broadway and 8th Street I, I do many kind of by appointment shows. Uh, I just opened that up recently because people were begging me to like go through the apartment. So it's kind of like, you know, uh, an accountant would have would do your taxes, or a tutor would teach you math. So I teach you right. history, <laughs> you know, and I go through the apartment and I teach people, you know, a few things. And it's kind of like people will call me up and and you know if I'm available they'll come in and and uh, and do like. Uh, 45 minute to an hour and a half, depending upon how curious they are. And I, there's a real story to it. So I start with the Addison cylinder, and then I go to the mutoscope and show them a Nickelodeon, and then I go through all these items, you know, up until we get to um, an old barrel organ from the 1800s, um, the organ grinder organs, kind of like the monkey with the organ grinder. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. no no monkey. no yeah. I have yeah. my monkey with symbols here. Oh, that's yeah, right. And and I brought things that make noise. Can you guess what this is? <laughs> I won't no. do that. Wow. I'll wake the dead. No. That was a Ford Model T car horn. And all of you oh, wow. that know what that is, yes, it is the Claxton. It says Claxton oh on God. it. Oh this God. is the oh earlier God. version of that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's the other so, four uh, Denny, let me ask you, about how many pieces do you have in your collection now, just approximately? There's several thousand. There's wow. quite a few oh, thousands that's of me. That's just insane. Yeah. I'm going through his page on Facebook, and it's blowing me away like the stuff at NASA. <laughs> when you went to NASA, the stuff where you actually – yeah, and you actually create events. So if you go onto Facebook and you go into the Museum of Interesting Things, when they do an event, you'll be notified of it. Because I see one that you have here where you did something on um, film. And then also what's really cool, I see you down here. You're going to love this, Spencer, and I'm sure you already know this, but there's a picture of yourself with the Ramon Way. Um, I went yeah. to film oh, the wow. meeting of the street in front of Forest Hills High School after the Ramones. Joey's brother Mickey <laughs> was there. Classic Joey used class. to do record mm-hmm. signings uh, by my house at the record store where I bought. I bought. Oh my God, uh, several hundred records as a child. I see now all I have your over vinyl. Over two thousand. I DJ'd wow. my vinyl. vinyl at the Speakeasy. I DJ'd on seven I radio stations. It. 
Yeah, so, awesome. so Joey, when I was a kid, did record signings at that shop, and my friend's band used to open for the Ramones in, like, churches and queens and stuff. Their oh band was God, Norman Bates and the Showerheads. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, You're yep, kidding. That was the name of the band, and I used to play them That's on the radio when I, when I got a little That's older. incredible. And then, so Joey's brother, uh, I'm I'm in touch with, and he actually is yeah, on Mickey. the website. Mickey, yeah, yeah Mickey's Mickey. a Mickey. sweetheart, mm-hmm. one of the nicest, very nice guy. When I broke my ribs, Mickey, when I broke my ribs, Mickey came to my mom's house to visit. Really? That's how sweet, what a wow. what a doll he is. Uh, so he's such a good guy, and it's such a good That's thing that really he, great story. you know, is great still story. kind of. You know, working out. He's he a has great a beautiful musician. Heart. His work is amazing. Yeah. If you listen to him, he's both. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He's so yeah. good as a musician. It's it's wonderful to listen mm-hmm. to. And he I've is, got some Ramon stuff in the museum. I have a whole history of like, you know, music and rock and roll. So I go all the way up until you know, not so much today, but I go up until like the 80s and 90s with music. So I'll oh. have the Banana Peel record from the Velvet Underground. I have the Beatles Butcher album. Um, and I have Bones and Ribs records from Stalinist Russia. <laughs> wow. Which are oh, records wow. that were done on actual x-ray paper. Really? Well, I see, <laughs> I see Tristan I see Tristan sitting here in front of Elvis's and Sun Records. In fact, I have an original yes. Sun Records t-shirt, believe it or not. Wow, um, that's cool. Yeah, I do. I, do. I don't have a t-shirt, that's cool. cool. Oh yeah, that was just like my prize that one of my prized possessions. But um, yeah, and I'm looking at all these different things you have here. But so, getting back to the music part of it, um, with vinyl, you have um, you you do these listening parties. Now, do you do you post those on Facebook? Uh, yes. So the Speakeasy started about two years ago, three years ago, as a <laughs> one-off, as a one-off, just to kind of you know, help pay for the antiques because antiques cost so much that, you know, there's no way the schools and hospitals and places like that could, you know, one item could be a grand or two. So I start, I did one speakeasy to help out and everyone had so much fun. They said, you should do this every month. So we do one every month, uh, usually in Soho, but we never know because it depends upon availability. And there's kind of three or four ingredients to a speakeasy. Uh, first and foremost, um, I play 16-millimeter films, original vintage films from the 30s, 40s, 50s, things like Louis Armstrong and Bessie wow. Smith and Billie Holiday. And Gee. then we have circus footage also from the 30s and 40s. And, you know, wow. and then clips of old movies. And everything is like five, ten minutes long so people can mingle. And then in between mm-hmm. films, I DJ original vinyl. So I've got every nice. era of vinyl from the 30s up until the 70s or 80s, until the mm-hmm. 80s, definitely. And then um, and then whatever the theme is, I have antiques in the loft where people can come and touch the antiques, and I do demonstrations of the antiques throughout the night. So mm-hmm. if it's, uh, you know, the space race theme, I'll have the original NASA jumpsuits there. And if it's yeah, the history of music, cool. I'll have it so wow. people can actually try on the jumpsuit. I've had wow. people try it on. And then, cute. of course, it's a speakeasy, so if you're over 21, then, you know, there's drinks there, and there's sodas and other things, and I always serve food. I always make spaghetti at them. And there's an original whiskey Ooh, nice. from 1922 <laughs> on the bar. You're kidding. A white lightning whiskey, whiskey still from the hills so of Tennessee cool. with the maker's mark still on it, which is very rare. Oh, wow. Ooh, that's amazing. You so, 
have to come to Sonoma. There's an old theater here called the Sebastiani Theater. Have you heard of it? No. How far it's are you really, from Santa Ana? Um, well, I'm near San Francisco, so basically I'm 45 oh, okay. minutes from the city, and I'm in Old Town. I'm in the first city where they planted the bear flag in California. So this wow. is really interesting. The Sebastiani Theater is owned, obviously, for, it's, it's named with the Sebastiani family, but the Sebastiani Theater, it's like the real deal. It's got the old velvet seats, the old, the old curtains, the old Ooh. stage, and they've got, I mean, it's definitely got a really, a lot of really interesting energy there. And they do a lot of shows, um, like, um, based on different things, like, you know, like you were talking about. They show, sometimes they bring someone in. This would be such a great place for you to come in and bring your show, I'm thinking. We made it out I to California finally. I should put you in front finally. with Roger. So, yeah, we could totally yeah. do it again. We went out, uh like I said, those two shows, and now cool. I know I could do an airplane. Cool. So yeah, we oh, could do yeah. a few schools Wait. while we're out there, and do. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And Pixar would probably have me back uh, to do another small you lecture could, there. Yeah, you could even do airplanes. There's the antique air show, an antique air, um, you know, the uh, runway right here by my house. Wow. Um, they land right in the vineyards, believe it or not. Um, I've got a great collection yeah. of 16 millimeter films that work with that. Um, so a good show for that would be like the 16, oh, and would the theater would be like the 16 millimeter jazz festival would be best for the you theater do probably. It. You, Ooh, know, you know, you know what? I that's need a to talk. Yeah. Denny, let me ask you a question. How do you keep? This is very important, and you see this on Turner Channel. How do you keep the films preserved? Because some of that stuff is celluloid, right? I mean, it's like you know what I'm saying. How do you keep? I, I don't have the one that's the combustible kind that everyone talks to. Like, do you have those combustible films? I don't have the combustible films, the nitrate oh, things good. that would uh, blow up because that, you're right, I would have to keep that really carefully. Um, yeah. I have regular, you know, the 16-millimeter films. And fortunately, this, where I live, is unbelievable. I, the, the, I, never, I never know what it is outside. I have to, like, call the doorman and be like, should I wear a jacket? Because the apartment is always, like, the perfect temperature. It's oh, always really nice, you know, good. To, so I don't have to worry too much here, thank God. Um, and hopefully when we get a space, I'll have the same situation, although I'll probably have to put in some sort of AC thing because I doubt any place would be as perfect as this place. I'm, like, mm-hmm. in a really nice building. Um, so, yeah, pretty much I'm, I'm, I'm pretty safe over here. Uh, but, yeah, somewhere else I may have more of a problem. Um, what about if we were to do a show out here and you were to transport some of your things out here? Like in in terms of the film stuff, I know Roger would probably be really interested in playing some of your old film because I know that they've yeah. got old antique film and uh, uh, projector and stuff like that here. Um, that would, and right now, you know, the film festival is going on here, the Sonoma Film Festival, so it's really crazy in oh, town wow. right now. But, um, yeah, but... Um, you know, it would be really would interesting be to have you in because I know the schools would be really into it. I'd probably do the Eureka show, the history of invention at schools, and do the film thing mm-hmm. at the theater because um, that would be perfect for the theater. Or I could do both. Uh, either one works. Um, the film thing, funny enough, I can't believe how popular that's gotten. Originally, I was just going to do it at the speakeasies. And now I've had Coney Island wants to do it. I've had libraries mm-hmm. do it. 
there's a few mm-hmm. schools that want me to do 16 million because while I'm doing the films, I'm also because I'm a filmmaker, and I worked everywhere from you know CBGBs and I've filmed at Radio City Music Hall. I filmed at uh, wow. Limelight. I were, we were, we all got to work at MTV because my boss got a job there, got a show there. So you know, all of us have done so much film. So in between films, I'll actually teach the history of film and how these things work oh. and show some of the items. Um, oh, so that becomes, would be so cool. Well, I would love so I'll that. Bring some history. And I have an original, I have a few original kinetoscope, Thomas Edison's kinetoscope films. You're I have, kidding. Uh, yeah, I actually have four films. I have my Holy Grail one is I actually have kinetoscope film by Thomas Edison of the Declaration of Independence. Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> yeah. Are you that serious? Was, that was That's his incredible. most expensive film. Like, his films went from, like, 2 to $5 up to 20 That was one of his $20 films, which would be a couple of hundred bucks in today's money. Wow. And it's a short incredible. film. So you actually, have, you actually have a film of the people of signing the Declaration of Independence. Well, no, nobody had filmed then. It was his rendition, you know, his version. Right. His, right. The, no, no, no. I know. But, yeah, reenactment. Okay. Yes, uh, but a Thomas Edison's reenactment of the Declaration of Independence, which is insane. That was so. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know wow. which one is. Like, I never know what to say first. I'm like, to have a kinetoscope film is amazing. To have a Thomas Edison, you know, to have the Declaration. I mean, it, all of it is kind of fun. And then I got three other films. The other one is really amazing too. It's a he documents the New York City Police Department. Uh, during the era where they still had horses, so it's like 1910 latest. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. another really cool film. And being a New Yorker, I always love watching that. Um, and then another one um, is Baby Rearing, which is you know just a interesting, cool film. The other one is interesting because it's actually special effects. It's a film that he did called Ashes, where a guy's down on his luck throughout the film, and at the end of the film, like ashes to ashes, dust to dust, he turns into ashes. And I'm like, to do that oh, today, wow. you know, we have computers, but to do that during kinetoscope film, during Thomas Edison's time, isn't so easy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a special effect that's, that I don't even know how they did. That's you, very you know, I saw, I got to tell you, Denny, I saw a documentary uh, on, not a documentary, it was, a, uh, it was an author who wrote a book about the Declaration of Independence signing the famous painting. I think it's in the White House or something, the painting of it. And yes. this is what's interesting, that people do not realize. Are you ready for this? This thing, everybody thought they were all there, but there were a lot of representatives that are in that painting that were never there. In other words, when they signed it, a lot of the representatives were not at that moment. It's very interesting. Are you ready for that one? And yes. I didn't know this. And he wrote a whole book on this. That's a great story about the painting, but it's all factual, you know. So people will represent, like, all the people there, you know, signed, but they, a lot of them weren't there. A lot of them I did know that there. some of them weren't there. I didn't know that yeah. the painting actually put them in it. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Yeah, the painting put them in it, right. It's the like painting photoshopping them. them all, like they were all there because they had to do They're, that. You know, it's all Americana. They can't show empty seats, right? You know, that is so right? funny. Oh, yeah. yeah it's a great definitely. story. It's a great story, but I thought I'd bring it up. But. But that I'd love to see that because that must be amazing. I mean, the whole I mean that that's got to be amazing to look at. I've got a few pieces that are Photoshop before Photoshop. We have a 16 millimeter film called Camera Magic that shows you how to do trick photography in like the 30s and 40s, 
And it's a wow. silent film, but I play actually craft work whenever I play it at the speakeasy, and it somehow works perfectly. It's like cut to the beat almost perfectly. I play the song, wow. I think, um, either the computer song or the uh, man machine, I believe I play. Um, but yeah, it shows photography before Photoshop, and the Met had a fantastic exhibit on that, and they showed a lot of Stalinist pictures where you know Stalin would kill people one by one. So every time right. he killed someone, he would republish the book and Photoshop all of them out <laughs> before Photoshop. Really? So the, the, I've, uh, you know, there's a few pieces I got that are on that kind of realm of where they like Photoshop people. There's a lot of Civil War photography where the person on the horse isn't that person. They put a head on somebody else's body. And wow. sometimes it's not even the oh, correct army funny. in the background. Sometimes it's the Confederate mm-hmm. army instead of the Union army. Wow. <laughs> because that's all they had. Oh, that's hysterical. Did, did you do Comic-Con, I see. Did you ever meet Ken Burns, by the way, in that Civil War I am, series? I, mean, I absolutely a, adore what he does. I, I think he and I would get along great. I, 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 lo- I love what he does. Uh, yeah. I'm doing what mm-hmm. he does with items. He does it in film. And it's so mm-hmm. it, one of his films, the, the Dust Bowl one, we ended up yeah. recreating in, with items in a library in Long Island. Um, mm. And I haven't, I, you know, six degrees of separation. I think I have 20 degrees of separation from him. But I feel like he and I should definitely one day meet and maybe yeah, I'll just You remind me of a brother of him, him because you're in the same mode in a different way, you know, two different venues, but in the same mode, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and as a filmmaker, I totally love what he does. Uh, yeah. But I, I do it in the museum, and I just, he's a defense, he's doing what, I'm trying to make kids into little Ken Burns's is really what the museum's about. It's, oh, that's nice. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. really what it's about. I, in fact, I even yeah. tell people if if you don't remember anything, if you don't remember Thomas Edison, if you don't remember Tesla, if you don't remember dates and times of anything I've shown you, but if you walk out of this feeling more positive, feeling more curious, you know, mm-hmm. then I win. That's what it's all about. That's really. You know, what that's very about, interesting. You mentioned Tesla because Tesla's really huge out here especially on the West Coast. And, yeah, here um, too. It's, well, Holly, listen it's to this. Very... I went in to get a, I had to get, I got to tell you something. I went into, I had to get an MRI done, and um, and they were telling me that they're bringing in, are you ready for this, Tesla MRI scans. That's what it's called, Tesla oh, cool. MRI scans. Yeah. But he's <laughs> all over. I mean, you know, the David Bowie movie he did. Yeah, well, the cars movie. are out here like crazy. Yeah, There's he's big. So he's many big cars. Time. Wow. Tesla's big time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, I have a couple friends at work, actually, at the thing. I'm going through your page. I'm just so blown away at these things. You did a Jaws thing. You did a Sound of Music thing. I see you also do Comic-Con. I want to hear about your Comic-Con experiences. So each year we've been doing Comic-Con, and each year I try to do something a little different. Uh, So I think the first year we did it, we did the Wind-Up Circus show. Uh, so I showed people, you know, all these items that had to do with, you know, early circus and wind-up items and a lot of the green energy items that I use. Um, the second year, we did the 16-millimeter film Bouncing Ball Sing-Along, and that went really, really well, and I brought the history of film stuff there. I do. Uh, it was kind of like a little bit of my lecture at NYU. Each semester I do a little presentation at NYU of the history of film. So I brought some of that, and then I brought some of the toy items because it's Comic-Con. Last year I did one of my most popular shows. It's a 3D VHS festival. 
and I oh, really? now have, and my collection has now doubled since we debuted at Coney Island. Now wow. I have mm-hmm. over a hundred films on VHS tape that are various forms of 3D. So I don't 3D. There's many flavors of 3D. 3D on VHS, really? Yep. I had, I did, wow. It was a. It so was look, a Denny, Denny, since I was brought planning. up Comic Con, which is really good. I want to tell you, I'm going this weekend to the Mocha Comic Festival in New York, which oh, is very big. Cool. You should tie up with uh, Mocha, by the way, Denny. You have to tie uh, email up with it Mocha. to me, and I'll and I'll take a look because I don't know them. Yeah, I yeah, it's a weekend, but it's every year it gets bigger and bigger. And what's what hmm. separates Mocha from Comic Con, and they do this every year, by the way, it's huge. Uh, besides bringing in famous cartoon people all the time and all that stuff, is that they um, they have it down. It's in New York once a year, and it's and it's it's all indie. It, the the prime thing. It's not like like to me Comic Con is really good. I've been there so many times, but it's very commercial. A lot of it. This is very all the indie. Can you imagine it's all the indie artists. You'd love this. It's all indie people. And wow, the, the that's quality really cool. line is I know unreal. a lot of those. Like, Ethan Hawke was there last year. He had a book oh, out. And I've heard he's really cool. He's yeah, another yeah, person he that I think and, would like. But I'm just telling you, you should hook up because it's a, it's a different crowd. It's it's all indie. You'd love it. It's a it's a different crowd totally, and it gets it's huge every year. I'm telling you, huge. Email me the it's link, and I'll because I'll go brain dead and forget. You know what it is? It's connected with the Society <laughs> of Illustrators in New York, which is a very big, oh. you know, big thing. Yeah, that's And very so cool. they have a mocha section. And they're doing this weekend, but I could give you the PR person there. I'll, I'll email you her thing and tell her about what you do. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Spence. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, Holly, really it's a great cool. idea what you brought up, though. It's really good what you brought up. That was very, very yeah, it's, cool. It's, that happens it, to Comic-Con me a lot. Comic-Con is like, Comic-Con is the big thing now, like, you know, for a lot of people that want to go, yeah. and they go to get to see right. different things happening. But I'm really, I was really interested in, I'm looking at your page. You did the Comic-Con. I still love this whole thing you did about um, the hosiery. That's just so interesting. Um, you mean the the clothing okay. items? Yeah, it's just so. You saw the bustle so cool. dress from the 1800s. That yeah, is one of my favorite. I'm That's, freaking out. Yeah, we're you using that for all shows, this the historical. Uh, some historical society in Gramercy Park just came here last night. And they want me to do a huge event they're doing in some fantastic Victorian building uh, right off, right wow. next to the Players Club. Um, I forget the name of the historical uh, society, but it's, it, they're huge and they're really well known. And they're doing some gala that they do every year. And that dress is going to be prominently displayed with my original suffragette dress in the militant style. Oh, wow. That will also be displayed. And what's never, ever been displayed before in my museum, but I've had it and I love it to death, it's from the Civil War era, original bustles from bustle dresses, the old oh, like, really? metal cool. with these crazy old metal and all you know um and and uh fabric and stuff they just they look absolutely drop dead gorgeous uh, they're just mm. frightening they look like these metal cages that just look nuts, and they're from the Civil War era, so Can you believe that I know. Them. So this know, is going to well, be the first time be... we're going to hang them off the chandeliers, the antique chandeliers mm-hmm. they have there. I think, I think. oh, no, that's a great idea. What a great idea. No, you know, um, it's so interesting, you know, clothing itself um, brings up just a whole different thing, too, as yeah. well. I mean, you could do a whole 
show just on clothing besides just like music and photography and uh, yes. toys. We have a fashion have a bunch show of because we have a fa- we have a show on fashion because my dad was actually a huge fashion designer. He was a shoemaker. And there's no doubt oh, really? that Spencer wore my sho- my dad's shoes. Spencer, you couldn't have survived oh. without wearing at least one pair of my dad's shoes, if not more. He did oh, Macy's, wow. Bloomingdale's, <laughs> Nine West, uh, Tom McCann, uh, everything. He did hundred. We had four or five factories in Brazil and did hundreds of thousands of shoes. Um, if you know Harbor Footwear, that we were the main supplier out of Brazil for Harbor, and they do the entire country. So it was like my oh, dad. Wow. Everyone, you know. So the fashion, and then I went to FIT and and designed shoes, and I went to the factory and designed some of the shoes. I even saw one of my fa- my friend's father was wearing a shoe I designed once. I was like, I know that shoe. <laughs> oh wow! But actually, no, my dad designed that one. Um, but I mean, wow. it's, it's creepy, to see, and I still see his shoes because they're still using his designs to this day. So a couple of years ago, I went into. I think it was a Florsheim and uh, and Tom oh, yeah, McCann, yeah. and I saw my dad's design, so I called him on the phone, and I said, are you? St- are they still using your designs? He goes, oh, of course. Men's shoes hardly change. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> he goes, of course they're That's using my designs. I said, that is incredible. He's retired now, but, you know, and he's one of those guys that just, you know, does stuff. You know, he'll he'll see my chairs and go, I'll reupholster them. And he goes to the upholstery guy, learns how to do it, and within a week, my chairs look like a master craftsman made them. Wow, <laughs> and I'm like, how did cool. you learn how oh, to do wow. this? Oh, wow. And he just yeah. teaches himself. You know, it's amazing. So, yeah, the wow. fashion thing is, and I have, you know, all the advertisements and all the other stuff that goes with fashion, you know, the whole, that whole side of it, too, I have. What about toys too? Toys are really um, kind of cool. The toy too department as well. is huge, and I have one right here. You can guess what this is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a wind-up. Mm-hmm. It's a wind-up. Jack yeah, in the box. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> yeah, box I can up. tell. And it popped mm-hmm. out of the box. If you heard that, and if you listen in the background, when we ironically we did the Intrepid, and out of all the items, this. The intrepid staff said to me, "This was your most important, the most popular one." Ironically, and it has nothing to do with war. Ah. Wait, let's get them to make noise. Is it a GI Joe? What is it? That? that is one of those walking Snoopies that you would pull with a oh, string you're all kidding. over the place. Everybody walked up to the table and goes, I used to have one of those as a kid, the little, you know, barking, uh-huh. walking Snoopy. And I, I walked around Forest Hills with that my whole life. <laughs> like, well, not my whole life, but my whole childhood. That's how my mom knew when I was coming home in Forest Hills. She'd hear the Snoopy doll, <laughs> you know, going down oh, the Oh, how cute. Like, uh, and then he's coming home. <laughs> I have old, I have some old toys. I have an old um Snoopy in the red the Red Baron. He's in an old airplane and he's got Woodstock on the back and it says the Red Baron on it. And, um You are so good because you're segueing right to my Snoopy item. You ready for this? Oh yeah. Oh I want to hear it. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> are you there? Hello. We're here. Uh that phone. We're here. Uh okay, here it is.
That's a rotary it's telephone. A, it's a phone. The oh, phone. Yep. Rotary I have telephone. a yeah. telephone. <laughs> you do? How cute. Isn't that great? I've got two Snoopy telephones, oh, that's, the push button that's and the rotary. By the way, that's your show fantastic. is exploding on Instagram. We put, I put a picture of me at Coney Island <laughs> on Instagram, <laughs> and then under the picture I said, we're on the radio now. And I swear, every three <laughs> seconds I look at my phone, and I'm like, oh, somebody else liked the picture. Somebody else liked the, the post. Oh, somebody that's else liked great. The post. Oh, great. So the Instagram is going well, crazy. Know, <laughs> I want to say real quick to everyone listening, because we've gone a little over, and I hope that doesn't go into your day. But um, what I wanted to say was uh, that this show, if you missed the beginning of it, will be available afterwards on iTunes within like a couple hours, and then um, it will be available immediately afterwards on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio under the Indie Cafe um, with uh, my special shows that I do with Spencer on uh, Fridays. And this has just been so much fun. I mean, it's like, (laughs) can we talk about that? Oh, let's talk about, let's talk about, uh, you know, toys. I want to talk about toys. Oh, toys are fun. The toy department is so great. The wind-up oh. circus show and all the, mm-hmm. the, you know, I want to, you know, I want to get like a million of those monkeys with symbols because uh, they're hysterical. Mm-hmm. Also, if you look on the website, we have the world's smallest record player. I know you and Spencer would appreciate that as DJs. It is the mm-hmm. Mighty Tiny from 1969. And if you look at the graphic, the graphic is hysterical. It's this cute little girl going like, ooh and ah, holding the record player, and she looks adorable, and it looks so like classic 1950s toy type thing. Um, And what other kind of toys? Of course, the Mutoscope. Uh, Magic Lanterns are other toys that I absolutely love. They're basically, um, they go back 400 years. Mine is about 100 years old. Basically a projector that used a candle or an oil lamp. Because mm-hmm. clearly 100 years mm-hmm. ago, children should be playing with oil lamps. <laughs> Another you know, cool toy is that solar that's space cool. phone. The what? The solar space a, phone. A solar space phone? Yeah, I, there's oh, a well, I know about on our that. Facebook page. It, it, I, I think saw, somewhere if you I scroll saw, down, wait, let me see. you'll I'm see a graphic of it. It's hysterical looking. I got stuck on the blue Ringling Brothers Circus sparkling ray gun. That oh was God, one of I my favorite. Oh my God! I just one too. I love that. I used to have. I love those that one. Things. I went to see I Ringling at Madison I Square Garden. I remember these. I got two. I, I can lend you one. <laughs> oh, this is funny. Wait, and then I love the picture you have up of um, Thomas Edison, where he's unveiling his newest, latest invention, the phonograph. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? That's just and I have oh another, gosh. I have the Scientific American of him unveiling his talking doll. Did you know oh, he made wow. a talking doll? In the 18, no, in I 1890, didn't. he made a talking doll. They only made 500. I actually own one. Uh-huh. I, fi- I finally got Jeez. one. It's another Holy Grail item. Oh, wow. And it was a doll that had a wax cylinder player inside of its belly. And it kind of looked like the Terminator because it had a metal torso, so it looks ridiculous. And it scared the 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 bejesus out of kids because it was like it, it, the songs were yeah. done by his w- female workers and they whispered into the wax cylinders. Oh, you're kidding so me! Like, so it's like, oh, how creepy! A little lamb 
whose fleece was white as snow. And I'm like, yeah, that oh, doesn't wow. work. Oh, wow. Weird. <laughs> and it was very fragile. So weird, weird. Oh, that's funny. And so I'm looking here yeah. at the music where you where where you were supporting the hundredth anniversary of the first three D movie screening. Tell me about that. That was one I want to hear about that because it was at the original Astor Theater. That's where that's the spot where the Astor Theater was, and they played uh-huh. the first three D movie there uh, over a hundred years ago. But that was the hundredth anniversary. Um, and so we we had all these people fly in from all over the world that uh, well the stereoscopic society and do like a little talk and I had my presentation of all the items that I had on 3D and my items went as far back as about the 1850s I had um, the box wooden stereoscopes that were kind of like a tower um, and you looked into these wood goggles. And saw uh, there was a uh, the pictures were on a giant reel, um, mm. kind of like a uh, Ferris wheel, uh, and then each time oh, you really? turned, you'd see another picture, and it's it's a really cool. I saw it the first time at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and I think I drooled all over it so much they had to carry me out of the museum. It was so beautiful. Yeah. Oh, that's and amazing. Danny, tell us about the Stereoscopic Society. Tell us what that is. So basically, it's a it's um it's a bunch of things. It's not just stereo. It's also the virtual reality and lenticulars, and it's all these enthusiasts that meet every month. And many of them have done very very big famous projects, and many of them are newbies, and many of them are entrepreneurs that are coming out with new products, and they kind of uh, support uh, that world. They're teaching people um, what's new and what's old in the world of 3D whether it be, you know, uh, like I said, uh, printing or virtual reality or anything else. Um, and every month uh, we have a meeting of the members and, and non-members can show up. Um, and then we usually there's someone that lectures, kind of like my speakeasy. I'll try to have, like, some presentations and people will talk about various subjects. But with this, it's, it's specifically just 3D and stereo stuff. Right, right, cool. Like I said, this year I was so lucky that all these people that are so wonderful and so smart and so good at what they do have have put me on their boards, and now we're doing a lot of events together, and some of them will do events at our speakeasy. And I think it's really important cool. for everyone to play in the same sandbox. And I, I call my museum a gateway drug to the other museums. That, mm-hmm. Oh, the point wow. Is, if, you like what, if you like what I do... You know, right. then go to the Museum of the Moving Image, who are friends of mine, or dear friend, wonderful. And if you like what I do in the in another genre, then go to the Natural History Museum, which I love more than life. And if you mm-hmm. like other stuff that I do, then go to the Met. You know, but go to the museum. You know that. You know, I'm I'm like a gateway to other stuff, so that you can find right, right. your nice. passion. Mm-hmm. You know, now no, I've I think that's big that so I've important. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I think. I think that's so important that you are able to let people, you know, experience and hand touch things, and you know, it's like hands-on type thing. Because I mean, you don't work, you don't learn, and you don't really get the whole feeling of everything unless you're really doing that. And uh, right. that's just that's just kind of really special that you're Although sharing I that with that other there are people. Some things, obviously, that aren't touchable. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some things that you can't, you know, like 
ephemeral items. Some things are, you know, are so fragile mm-hmm. that they'll literally disintegrate in your hand. So, yeah, there are some things that obviously uh, we can't. But whatever, oh, sure. whatever I'm able to actually put into people's hands, you know, with reasons, yeah, I, I try to. And I find that, funny enough, people are so good. It's funny. If you tell people not to touch something, they throw it across the room. <laughs> and if you tell people oh, wow. you can touch something, then they're totally good with it. And nobody in the 10 years <laughs> and thousands of people, nobody has broken anything. I'm probably the worst thing that ever happened to the museum, if anything. But people have broken nothing. They've been amazing. And mm-hmm. to give you an example, at the speakeasy that we just did, the the um, suffragette one, uh, people showed up an hour early. The place was packed beyond belief. I couldn't believe people were coming an hour early. We weren't even open yet. I was still setting up. They were like, oh, uh, do you mind, you know, is it okay if we just hang out with you? Because people just feel so at home. Oh, wow. And they feel nice. so close that, uh, that uh, it's such a compliment that they feel so comfortable. I would never, ever kick anyone out. Uh, it's just not my, mm-hmm. my I wasn't br- brought up for that. So I always go, yeah, yeah, if you're fine with it, then I, if you don't mind me setting up, then yeah, enjoy yourself. Have fun, walk around, do whatever you want. I'm cool with it. I'm not like one of those people, we're not open yet, stay outside. I'm like, really? <laughs> Dumb. <laughs> like, I always hated that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So now that I'm in charge, I can do it. You know, I can set the rules as being you know, open-minded and cool with people. Um, so there was one item that was sitting on a table. It's a very, very early, like 1910, very fragile piece of paper. Like it's basically an article from a newspaper that was very thin and very fragile to the, you know, to, to be handled. It could handle things, but very fragile. So I, I left it there cause it was beautiful and it had, you know, women, which job would you prefer? It was a suffragette item, and it showed all these cool pictures of women in various occupations in 1910. You know, um, I think it was around 19. It was the early 1900s. I was like, oh my god, I didn't put this in any plastic and any protective coating or anything. I better put it oh. away. I don't have something for it. Mm. But then I looked at it and I said, and I looked at the crowd and I was like, everyone's so sweet. I bet you nothing happens to this. I, this crowd, I think, could really deal with this. We had about 150 people Jeez. in this place. We wow. had 150 people. And That's things amazing. are just on a table. And mm-hmm. then by the end of the night, that thing was still there in perfect, as if no one touched, like it was perfect. And I remember at one point on the stage, I said to everyone, you know, I'm so glad you people enjoyed that item. And I really was going to put it away because I was like, I didn't have anything to put it in. I didn't have a plastic, you know, something big enough to put that in today. Uh, That was all in the apartment. But I looked at all you guys and I said, you guys are so wonderful and you're so sweet that I said, you know what? It's an insult to think that you wouldn't, you know, treat it well. And everyone treated it with And it was there the whole night. You know, and that's really the crowd that we attract. Uh, in the museum, and actually, even if it's the crowd we don't attract, like people, everyone shows up at our, our shows. There's almost no common denominator, but I find people rise to the occasion, kind of like Chrissy mm-hmm. Hines said in The Pretenders. Yeah. Uh, you remember her line where she goes, everybody's in the gutter, some of us are looking at the stars? Mm. You know, I always oh, yeah, felt yeah, like, yeah. do you remember that line? Mm-hmm. I always mm-hmm. felt like that. I always felt like if you if you give people something to appreciate, to look up to, they will look up. <laughs> you know? If That's you give amazing. them some nice stars to look up at, then they'll look up at those stars, and they'll rise up to that mm-hmm. occasion. 
no matter who it is. And I've done I'm, every kind of kid, everything, and there's no kid I've ever, ever taught that I wouldn't trust the entire country with. They've all been wonderful. Oh, I bet. I bet. You know? What happens um, when they go home? You know, <laughs> you know? And that's the difference. That's what we try to change. That's the point of the museum, to get it so that we go back to that the the proper kind of, you know, good upbringing, good, you know, influences, because we're all human. We could all be nice people and we could all be yucky people. We choose that. Right. And it has right. to do with our it has to do with our environment and our friends and our upbringing and our influences. There's no reason why the entire mm-hmm. country couldn't be a wonderful wonderful, you know, great. What we're going through today is is exactly why I do this museum. <laughs> Uh, you know, to try to wow. bring back that positive attitude that we all grew up with, also, that we all want. But <laughs> people see, yeah, exactly, and embrace it, right? Yes, because so everybody wants it. There isn't a person who goes, God, mm-hmm. I, I wish the country would suck. <laughs> you know, there isn't someone mm-hmm. who feels that way. So, you know, and the country mm-hmm. doesn't. So that's, that's, you know, if you just bring that out of people, I'm telling you, in three seconds with the museum, uh, you know, I notice even when I get volunteers, I tell them, they go, what's my job? I go, your job is just to make sure people don't throw things across the room. Within 10 oh. minutes, all, they're curators. <laughs> they're going, this is an Edison cylinder player from the 1800s. They're like learning my shtick. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, oh, all And I had the curator of the Albany State Museum, uh, I think her name was Dorothy, look at me and go, Denny, is it okay if uh, the high school student was Eric? She goes, is it it okay? Didn't you tell Eric not to touch the Edison cylinder player? And I said, yeah. (laughs) He's demonstrating it to families. I said, yeah. She goes, are you okay with that? I said, yep. (laughs) And she goes, why? And I said, that's exactly what I want. I want him to feel empowered. I want him to feel like it's his baby now. And he was Mm -hmm. so proud of himself. And the guy was like 16. Um, And it took him, you know, that was within 15 minutes. And that's what it's wow. really about. That's, that's great. You know, that, See, that's feeling. You can bring people into it, you know. Yeah. That's the part. You can make them part of it. And what I like about this the most is it being interactive. And actually, like I said, it's such a big part of being able to be part of something and feel it and actually feel the energy that might be attached to it. Um, you know, yeah. what I wanted to ask really quick, and I'm not sure, Spencer, if we did cover this, um, because we've yep. talked about so many fantastic things, and I hope that you're sure. okay with the time, Denny. Um, how did I'm you okay. and Denny meet, Spencer? I I, I met, that, that. Uh, going back to earlier in the show, was that uh, 3D thing mm-hmm. at the Marriott, and yeah. Denny was there. So that was our initial thing, and I hooked up with Pierre there and John Zelinka and Denny, and that's what I thought, wow, this would be a great show. It's so different and a different plane. It's all in our sphere, you know. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's how I got it. I'm very excited about this because I was really, the 3D thing really grabbed my first attention. And then, and then as we get along with Danny, we find out this goes, his whole thing is into so many different areas that are outrageous. Right. Oh, yeah. But, we found um, out we had so many other things in common and so many friends in yeah. common from Max's Kansas yeah. City, which I... That's you know, right. my friend, right. you know, as a kid, I went there. My friend's bands performed there. I have pictures of, of us at Max's, at CB's. Mm-hmm. You know, Yvonne is still a very dear friend, and I actually shot one of the scenes for the documentary they're coming out with. I, I did the interview with um, 
Oh, uh, I heard about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you um, did it? Oh, really? Um, Betsy Johnson. I, I shot the Betsy Johnson oh, interview for her. Um, and she used to have her shop around the corner from my family's building in Soho. So, I, you know, I knew the shop as a kid. Betsy, it was actually Betsy one of the Johnson. first dresses I ever I, bought for a girl. Betty, when I was designing for Sire Records, I used to visit Betsy Johnson years ago. And, and at that time, she was on 8th Street. You know, she had a small place on 8th Street. And I used to go down and hang out with her and look at her. Now. I remember she's incredible. that. Yeah, she's incredible. I remember that shop. That was near her daughter's Apple. amazing. Have you met her yes. daughter? Both of them are yeah. just, I love both of them to death. Uh, every time I see them and bump into them, it's such a pleasure. Uh, interviewing her was a pleasure. She's just a, one of the nicest people. She's one of the sweetest people. Really down-to-earth person. For yeah. all that she's done, you know, she's just the same person, you know. Not at well, all. You know, Not what, at all you know what we wanted to say was um, we have gone a little bit over, and again, I hope you're okay yeah. with that. That and happens a lot. Our, <laughs> losing my voice. Actually, I'm okay. I'm hoping Instagram. you're okay with it. I'm like, uh, oh, no, no, no. Okay We're totally fine. No, no, no. It's fine. It's uh, 3.30 here on this side of the um, world, and over <laughs> there it's what, 3, 4, 5, 6, it's 6.30 there. Wow. Like You're the end of the, of the Pony Express. That's where you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The last stop of the Pony um, Express. You know, what I wanted to say also really quick about um, all of this was I noticed you showed a Billy Holiday film, which I love Billy Holiday. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge fan. Wow, that was really interesting. Yeah. And uh, Spencer, did you have any questions you wanted to ask Denny about anything? I think I think we're all there right now for me. Anyway, you mm-hmm. know. We we have a caller actually. Let me see if I can pick the call up really quick. Do you I mind hope taking they use a call? Let me phone. see if I can pick it up. I know the Snoopy phone. Let me see if it comes through. Hi, eight four five. You're on the air. Who's this? Uh, hi, how are you? This is Mike from New York. Hi, Mike. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm doing fine, and I'll tell you what. It's so refreshing to uh, to see your show on BTR. I just wish that I had run into it earlier in the beginning of your show. Sorry oh. about that. Not a worry. I'm a I'm a collector for collected World War II military for over fifty years. Cool. And oh wow. Being being in and out of antique shops and interesting items. I mean, there's a lot out there, a lot of history, and so uh, I'm glad to see your show out there. Cool. You should, oh, nice. If you're in New York, you should come to our next speakeasy because I'm going to have a, a lot of the World War II items there. It's the oh, Doomsday okay. Show. So I'm going to have the Space Race stuff. Ooh, I don't like I'm that. I'm going to have the Pigeon Parachute there. <laughs> you remember? You know the Pigeon Parachute? Which, the, what are you talking about? The ones that they used for the troopers uh, on uh, Normandy for D-Day? Because I have one. Yes, I have the you're good. I have the Rupert. I have an ex- original Rupert in my collection. What is the? That's the dummy, the British version of the Oscar, the American one. It was a canvas-shaped human shape, and they'd fill the arms and the legs up with sand, and it had a parachute parachute on the back. Yeah, but I've got I've got about a hundred German uniforms and Japanese. Oh wow! I'll have to come by him uh, and uh, and see your place and see some of your stuff. Maybe shop. (laughs) I'm I'm uh, I'm about forty minutes north of Mordor. I'm up in Westchester. Mordor? Mordor. 
Mordor, you know, Mordor as yes. in Lord of the Rings, Mordor? Mordor yeah, that's what Mordor. I'm thinking. I'm thinking Lord of the Rings. I'm like, that's it. really? Uh, I don't know if I'm going there. Well, the ring. As, as, a gun, as, a gun, as a gun collector, gun collectors, we consider anything that, when you leave Westchester, even in Westchester, the, a lot of the attitudes are, they're against collectors. I mean, they, it's, uh, it's not a very good situation. <laughs> so, you know, we're not, we're not politically correct. Interesting. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, oh it's, I never it's, even heard that. I, I see myself more as an, I see it more as an educator uh, to, to get people to understand the history behind things. Because a lot of people get funny about this or about that, and right. I try to add everything in the museum and, real, and get people to to play in the same sandbox, as they say. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, un- and share. I, I just had a conversation. <laughs> Hello? So hopefully I can Hello? come up there and do a show with you guys and fix it. Yeah, can you hear me? <laughs> yes. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah no, we can hear you now. now. We lost you for okay. a second okay. there. We lost you All for right. a minute. I had a conversation so with an ask- dealer. Cool. Uh, what? last week and he said that he feels that the schools are not teaching these kids don't know they they know very little about history they have no respect for antiques there's no interest in antiques for the younger generation and he said i wonder what's going to happen to all the antique dealers and i said you know there's a different perspective i i never heard that one before but i i've seen it's less right. and less antique shops out there i wonder if it's true um it, i guess it's just the way you do it because I get such an insane reaction and so much fun that if you look at the pictures of our first show 10 years yeah. ago at my elementary school, yeah. you see all the kids with their ha- hands up in the air to volunteer. And I remember the writer for, I forget which newspaper, if it was the Tribune or the Chronicle, but she came up to me afterwards and goes, I've never seen so many kids try to grab at a calculator. <laughs> like yeah. get so excited at a calculator they all raised their hands and wanted to touch it when you said okay who wants to try this like right. always- and also let me br- let me bring in something don't forget I'm in the music been in music for years and kids are really into the old music too so it's yes. it's kind of like how you're born and where your head's into it. Like, like Holly was saying, she loves antiques. My parents are into antiquing. I used to go as a kid. I think this goes on with generations, by the way. I think it's where your head is at. I mean, I can't see no reason why a kid born may not be into antiques because if you're into the old thing, as we all know, and people are into old, lots of that, and it's retro right now, that's going to pass on. I think people will still right. be into that, antiques. I and think I don't it's think it's even antiques. It's just... Born. It's yeah. curiosity. I have things. Yeah. I'm I'm bringing iPods into the museum. I'm bringing modern, you know, items that right. are going obsolete three years ago. My flip phone, you know, Blackberries, because it it has to do with the story. At the end of right. the day, mm-hmm. it's all about the story. So why did they all grab at a calculator? Because of the story I told, which was when I first got right. that calculator, I was at Dante's Cafe on, uh, on McDougal. You know the spot, Spencer, don't you? You remember Dante's yeah. on McDougal Street? Yeah. So we sure. were at Dante's, uh, we were, and, you know, at uh, Dante's, uh, and we were hanging out there, and my friend there worked, was um, an aerospace engineer, Norman. Uh, I call him Nariman. 
uh, Norman was there, and I had I just gotten this calculator, and he's like, Mr. Aerospace Engineer, he built a, a working model of the Enterprise with all the lights working and everything, cut it by hand and everything. The guy was brilliant. Meanwhile, wow. I get a slide calculator, like an old-fashioned slide. It's on my, my the one that I'm talking about is on my website. A simple, right. you know, slide I see calculator. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that calculator I had just gotten that day, and I didn't know how to use it because I just opened the package. And I'm like, I look at Norman. I go, Hey, Norman, can you figure this out? And he couldn't. The <laughs> we we ordered the meal, we got the meal, we ate the meal, we got the check, we paid for the check. Norman's still messing with it. He wouldn't even talk to us. He was messing with it. <laughs> and I'm going, Norman, are you done with that? We didn't even talk to you. And he goes, I, you know, I'm trying to figure this stupid thing out. I figured out addition. You move it up for plus. But I haven't figured out <laughs> subtraction. So I look at the kids. These are third graders in a Solomon Schechter in Queens. And I look at the kids and I go, hey, kids, Norman, the aerospace engineer, couldn't figure this out. Up is addition. What do you think, what do you think subtraction is? They all go down. I said, who wants to try it and beat out Norman? The entire class wants to try it. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yes. Oh, all that's about great. The story. Now they all want to touch a calculator. The girl was like, "You know how to excite these kids," and I'm like, "Yep," because right. all of us are just big kids. Well, you guys. <laughs> well, that, you're that's very a good, That's a show. That's a good show uh, uh, to culminate the show because what you're doing, uh, Denny, is really turning on the world to things that they have to know about, and it's getting bigger and bigger. And, uh, and enthusiastic. So that's all good news and educating the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, Spencer, I think a lot of people are really grasping at some reality of the, the past because uh, in, my, in my feeling of life right now the way it is, I think a lot of people really want to remember what it used to be like. Um, yeah. You know, and they want to learn more about that because our world is advancing Good. so fast that yeah. and I everything's think becoming that so mysterious. You can is. learn it from is. these artifacts. You can learn from the artifacts, mm-hmm. and there's a yeah, lot that's right. can, that's right. they exactly. can say. And, and people, people like you, I mean, upstate there, are so important. Because you're keeping that alive, and I absolutely adore meeting you guys because then you tell me these stories because you've witnessed it, because you own it, because you have some of you, your parents have. So I get these amazing stories from people whenever I do my show, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to add that to the museum. And well, thank God you people are still around because that's why I'm here. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I've loaned, I've, loaned a lot, I've loaned a lot of items to the History Channel before. I've worked with... There's a museum, you know the museum, it's across the river from me, the school over there that's close to me, um, uh, the point. And uh, so I'm very active and I use this stuff for public displays, but I'm very high profile with it. And it also puts me in the limelight, but they don't know what to do with me, really, because it's not politically correct. You're lucky with what you display. With anything that I have from World War II, I mean, the New York Times interviewed me back in 2001. And when eBay put a ban on selling Nazi items and the reporter walked in my collection room and I told the reporter, get one thing straight. Our soldiers were not glorifying these criminals when they brought these things home. We won. They lost. That's true. Don't politicize it. This is not a politically correct anything. And she said, well, why is there so much Nazi stuff? And I mean, I went on in a presentation and explained to her and, and in the end she got it. And a lot of collectors are well, telling me, don't, don't get interviewed by them. 
They're going to ruin your life. They'll put in there that you're some here's, sort of a neo I forgot your name. Uh, Mike. Mike. So, Mike, here's what I tell people because, you know, there's something – it reminds me of the Bugs Bunny cartoon where, where Elmer Fudd is trying to paint the mountains and the scenery somewhere out, you know, west in California yeah. probably near Holly. Right. And and so Daffy Duck decides to mess with his head like he always does, and he walks up to him and he goes, and he's painting the mountains and and he goes, "Hi, I'm the man of the mountains, and you can't paint those mountains," and he erases the mountains, and then so you know he's like, "Okay, I won't paint the mountains," and then he comes back dressed up differently and goes, "That lake, I'm the man of the lake, and you can't paint that lake," and he erases the lake, and then he's like, "Well, okay, at least I still have the trees." And then he walks right. up and he goes, I'm the man of the trees. And one by one until there's a blank canvas. And right. he had to erase everything. And he's like, well, oh, now I can't totally, yeah. And it was like, yeah. you know, they, it was kind of their jab at the sensors and all the stuff. And I tell people they teach everything in school. They teach right. World War II in school. They teach everything from the good to the bad, from from Kennedy's assassination, uh, you know, to the coronation of Princess Diana. They teach everything in school. It's all taught in school. Nothing is a secret, and everything is part of history, uh, you know, whether it be your Nazi symbols or it be the space shuttle taking off. It's all taught right. in school. Hey, Leslie, okay. Denny, i got to cut in on this because I went to out of Yale training in design, and you know we had one class on, and Mike will get into this too, we had a whole class on the graphics of the Nazis. Now, it's not pro-Nazi. It's about the graphics were incredible. I mean, their posters were they incredible. Were. The, the, the swastika is an amazing symbol of the design of their uniforms. But it wasn't like uh, pro-Nazi. It's about no. the Studying. art form of the graphics of that era. And they do books. On, I mean, today you still have books. So it's important to learn about that, not in a respect of what they were, which we don't want to know about, but the art of what they did, even, was the films, the even what, style even what famous. they were, you want to not repeat it. So it's important right. to understand exactly. what happened. But you also don't want to reinvent the wheel. No. So if, right. you know, on, right. as much as, you know, uh, some people actually know that our entire space program is based on the brain drain, which is the drain of, uh, you know, of European Operation scientists. Paperclip. Most of the German scientists who came here. And I have exactly the right. original NASA exactly films. Right. With, what's yep. his name? The guy with a B name? Werner uh, von Braun. Werner von Braun. I have Braun. some of the original films from the 1950s in my museum wow. collection, yep. uh, interviewing right. him going through NASA and talking well, about right. what he did. See, I mean, along right. the same line. And Godard I also. Friend, I have a friend of mine who was one of the interrogators of the Nuremberg Trials who saved everything. And wow. I've got binders full of original documents, signed depositions, of verbatim interrogations. I have a oh, my God. I, want, I would love to add that to the museum if you hey, ever, hey, ever, Mike, ever, Mike, ever. Mike, you've got to leave me in your will. Okay, we're all talking this? over remember, each other. Remember the planes? Wait a minute. Let me get, in, get this in. Remember the planes that they designed at the end Goodness. of the war that, that <laughs> yeah. were wow. very futuristic in design? Very yes. futuristic in design, but it was too late in the war. Remember that? Yes. Yep. Right. The 262, yeah. the Messerschmitts, and all the jets that they had, the jet engines. I the mean, jets, the super yep. jets that we yep. used actually after the war. I think we took them and used some of that data, well, but the, they were like super planes at the end of the war. But they were so – like the pilot, U.S. pilot said, 
what is going on here? They would look in the sky and see this thing whiz by them, but you know, they were absolute, but they were too little, too late. Thank God. But you know well, what I'm saying? They were really ahead in their time. Oh, I've had I've had guys that were members of the Eighth Air Force doing. I've, I've spoken to a, a lot of vets in my in my days. I mean, when I was young, when I started off, it was there were more veterans, obviously. But I remember hearing from guys that were crew members that would they said we'd see something coming at us, and then it would pass us. It would pass us. Right. And exactly. And then we'd get hit. And they never told us. They knew about it, but they never told yep. us in the briefings that we'd be running up against these things. They kept wow. their mouths yeah. shut. And, and not uh, even not even those kind of items. Spencer and Holly, you guys wouldn't be the kind of DJ you are today because, as you know, the, the tape recorders yep. were so bad during yeah. the early days, but the Germans had perfected them so that they could actually use them, and often they would have Hitler in one location, and they would be a tape deck. And then he'd yep. be in another wow. location, and they used it to fool the Allies. And then the Allies started getting in on the trick, and we started using recordings also. But it was, but they used it all the time. Well, and that, and cassette tape, you know, the whole tape industry is based on. Well, it was Stacky before that. And you have the Enigma too, right? You have yeah, the Enigma. The, the founder. Yes, of I have Lampers several parts of the Enigma. Yeah, right. We're all talking found- over each other, guys. Oh. By the way, the reason why we're talking over to each other is because we're there's a delay. Excited. And so because we're excited, excited but there's too. also a delay. Absolutely. There's about a one second delay. Okay, yeah, there's a delay. How, Holly. Can I, how can I hook up you with you got guys? It. How can I hook up with you guys? Before... Mike, go to the website and email me, and I'll put you on our email list. And maybe you can even, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll have you like bring uh, do some, you know, talk at the one of the speakeasies uh, about oh, some of the cool. stuff you know. All right. uh, maybe the yeah, Tuesday easy would which, be perfect. Which That'd be cool. Denny Museum is of one Interesting of our, Things. Uh, .org. Okay. All right. All right. I'll, I'll yeah, definitely so this look show that up. today, just so you know, if you missed the beginning of the show, the show will be available afterwards on iTunes under Red Velvet Media and also on the Internet under Red Velvet Media under the Indie Cafe. So this is like one of our guests, and we're so excited to have him here because – Obviously, this has really struck a chord with so many people, including yep. yourself, in regards to oh, war yeah. memorabilia oh, yeah. and history and toys and film. And I mean, it's endless. And um, yeah. like I said, I think it's like people really want to connect to the to the to the past so much right now because yeah. right now and we're each other. in a very it kind of strange yeah. time. Right. Yeah, and I think we're just in a really strange time, and I think a lot of people want to remember good things and maybe some bad things, but not as bad as things are today, maybe, as yeah. I could say. Right. Um, and not to sweat the bad things yeah. so badly. You know, that's the thing. Exactly. You, you can have things. Right. I asked my mom, you know, how did you survive that era? She goes, we didn't have time for, you know, the, the stuff that goes on now, people taking, you know, Prozac or something. We didn't, we didn't have time <laughs> for, you know, arguing about stuff. We had to get stuff done. Yep. <laughs> you know, we had to make a living. You know, we got out of this craziness and we had to do stuff. And we made you it know, happen. You know, one of my biggest complaints with people today, the society today in general is uh, – Unless you really understand how the people thought and what it was like living back then, you can't judge the people of a different era or judge the history yes, until you understand. True. And, and true. these people today, they'll judge like what happened in the 1940s based on today's values and how we live today. You can't do that. Right. 
No, you, you, you can't possibly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the equivalent to people don't do this because it doesn't exist. But you can't do it 5,000 years ago, too. 5,000 yeah. years ago, if you wanted to eat your McDonald's burger, you killed the cow. <laughs> and you had blood all over your shirt. Yep. <laughs> if you walked out of a restaurant right. with blood all over your shirt, you're getting arrested in New York City pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you that's are not walking out of a McDonald's with blood all over your shirt every day of the week. And that's what it. you're supposed to be mm-hmm. walking out of the McDonald's. If you were Ugg the Barbarian, then that burger would not look so pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and you, so if you, you know, the same thing, you can't, you can't look back at World War II era or the 1950s era or the 1960s era or Ugg the Barbarian with 2017 eyeglasses because no. it doesn't work. It doesn't no. work. We go to delis and buy food. I mean, I have to sometimes give people absurd examples like that to get them to realize that, you know, we just have to realize and respect their wor- the world that they lived in and how they had to live it and that it wasn't our mm-hmm. values. It wasn't the same. But it's okay. You know what? It didn't mean the show, harm. After the show, Denny, I'm going to watch Flash Gordon 1936 with Buster Crab and put on my steampunk goggles. <laughs> Good for time. you. That's great. I'm going I'm I'm to lend you my Buck Rogers disintegrator for that. <laughs> I want. I'll tell you. I want the. Bu- I want the gun. I want the gun. That's what I want. Oh, oh the, the gun. gun. Yeah. Is, is killer. Absolutely. A couple of a couple of points about this about my 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 end of the hobby. The hobby's turning sad because years ago there were more. These veterans are like walking history books. I know. I, right. And and we're losing them at such a rate that in the end I look at my collection and and it's like they're not my memories. And I've got a room yeah. full of these memories, and and, and it's turning sad. And I met some interesting you know, but we the founders them, of this constitution. I mean, we those veterans, yeah. You know? yeah, we do. We the do. founders but of I, this constitution, uh, Thomas Edison and Ben Franklin, are gone. Absolutely. But thank God we have we have people preserving it, like yeah, you, like right. me, mm-hmm. like the exactly. Smithsonian. Uh, you know, like all these beautiful museums, especially the Smithsonian. And the Smithsonian curators come to our speakeasies periodically. Uh, I get That's them every awesome. couple of months. A few of them show That's up. Great. And, uh, That's great. They're just yeah. sweethearts. They've, you know, such an important part. And, yeah, we're going to lose those people. Thank God we still have them, and we have the way to preserve them on film, no less, which they didn't yeah. have in 1776. Mm-hmm. Uh, my God, if I, I know, could see I, a Denny, film I gotta of Ben I was interviewed in Smithsonian Magazine years Hold ago. Hold on. And I did a Go show on, on, on um, you know, special CD packaging. But, hello? Yes, I'm here. I oh, hear okay. So, we're here. Uh, but, but Smithsonian Magazine is, to me, the biggest thing I've ever been in because it's history. When you're in, you know this, Denny, when you're yes. in Smithsonian, it's history of the world, right? Yeah, one of the writers is a friend of mine, and there's going to be an article. I don't know if we'll be in it, but uh, but it, it's yeah. supposed to come out like next year. I hope and so. again, it's book the world record. That would be another book to be in, too. You should be in Smithsonian, you know? definitely, without a doubt. Yeah, uh, from, you your, from your lips, not the God's ears, but an editor's ears. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, there, you know, what I wanted to hang say on. to our caller is, I'm not sure if you missed this, in the beginning of the show we were talking about how Denny takes a lot of the things to schools and educates the children on the different things that, you know, of our interest, you know, like about the first filming films and, and uh, it's a traveling, it's a traveling museum 
um, basically hands-on things. So right. I, I understand the thing about it becoming sad a little bit, but I also think we're empowering ourselves also by being able to experience the past and by being able to have a hands-on type you know, feeling with everything. And, um, yeah, but you're, you're, right fortunate. you're fortunate where I don't have that ability. I mean, I, I have to tailor what I bring to it. If I do a school displays, I've been staying away from it. Um, I do, mm-hmm. like I just did a big display for the honor flight program. I've done that every year. And we set up a portable museum and I have volunteers come with me to move everything. And we set up a, a little museum, but anything uh-huh. with firearms, anything with firearms now in New York state. Oh yeah. That would be, yeah, well, no, they don't want to hear it I understand because, you know that. What, they, yeah. People are yeah. people are too paranoid, and it's a shame. And uh, they don't mm-hmm. understand what they're looking at. And the state, I got into, I got into quite a discussion with the attorney who's the liaison to Governor Cuomo over the Safe Act, which you guys don't, I know you don't understand what that is, uh, where they redefined what an assault weapon is, and now there are weapons. Like I know, Soviet I understand SVT, completely about Soviet, it. Soviet mm-hmm. SVT, Soviet SVT forty rifle, which mm-hmm. is taller than most children is considered an assault weapon and it's not. And, but it's, mm-hmm. so it was one of the main Soviet rifles besides the Mosin Nagant in World War II. And I think you're supposed it, to cement mm-hmm. the barrel and decommission uh, I'm, I'm, it. And then you I'm can not going exactly. to ruin, I'm not going to ruin a piece of history to, I know. to, yeah. to I take care of a politically way. correct. No, I'm not going to do it. So that's yeah. lost. And now I, the reenactors so I, are affected by it. And mm-hmm. I, yep. plus if I die after I register, when I die, I can't, let someone in my family inherit these rifles have to be either turned into the state or mm-hmm. sold out of state. Absolutely. Uh, the Enter them into the Museum of Interesting I, Things I and we'll them protect in. them. I turn yeah, them in. I, know. I have a friend yeah. of mine that works at the Civil War Museum, and uh, she says that she can't believe how many rifles and flags. She actually is working on curating flags right now and doing a whole book on uh, on, on flags and telling me all about the flag bearers and how they just knew when they were carrying them that they weren't going to make it back. But, you know, that's all yeah. part of what makes history history. And we're trying to make it not just about fun things, but also, you know, what really there's good, there's bad and everything. And right. we want to try to make it fun and also interesting and educate people, you know. But I wish the politicians, right. I totally the get politicians that. Would, mm-hmm. I wish the politicians would stay out of it. Let history stand oh, on its own well, viewed objectively. Let them we hope. learn from the history. But it's uh, you know, fortunately in the world, uh, things go in cycles. So, you know, we went through the Roaring Twenties, we went through Prohibition, we went through the Sixties. You know, people, mm-hmm. you know, we'll freaked make out it. over everything going on now. And I say, <laughs> you know what? In four years, we'll still have a country. In eight years, we'll still have a country. Mm-hmm. You know, and we'll go through this too. We'll go through the era of terrorism. We'll go through the era of the computer. We'll go through the era of the Internet. We'll come out the other side. Humans always do. And even if we have a terrible recession, we'll come out of it and have a, yeah. you know, we'll go back to normal normalcy eventually. I'm hoping Absolutely. in my lifetime I can get on a plane without taking off my shoes. I'm sure it'll happen yes. eventually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> remember that? I won't even tell you about my TSA experience just recently. That was just horrifying. But, um, they love yeah. me because I show up with weird things, and, they, and now I've got all the managers oh. showing up going, wow, what is this? Where did you get that? And they all become my friend. I'm going to miss my flight because I'm having a show and tell oh. with the TSA. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, no, we well, did we, confiscate we got... something on the way to Pixar. No. Yep, no. one thing got confiscated. 
Mike, you ready for this? What? With all the stuff that I bring, Holly and, and Spencer, you're going to love this. All, all the things yeah. that I brought to that lecture in mm-hmm. California was the first time I took an airplane because up until now I drive across the country. Right. This time I'm taking sure. an airplane. The guy pull out, he's pulling out Edison cylinder. Pl- I even had a pair of scissors in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, What does he confiscate out of all the stuff? My peanut butter. Oh my God! Oh yeah! He found my stupid that's... jar of peanut, of chunky peanut butter. Yep. Allergies. Goes, allergies. You can't take this. And allergies. I'm like, oh wait a minute, Denny, you're gonna yeah, right. laugh. You know what they took of mine? No, he called bath it a cream. Salt. Bath salt. They took bath, bath salt out of mine. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Bath salt. Okay, that's dumb. Because they think, funny. yeah. But you know, listen, he looked we're at down me and he said it was minutes. a cream. And and I'm, I'm yeah. telling you, I thought I was going to get arrested for the next line. I said I was sure they were going to oh, yeah. throw me out of the airport. He said to me, "It's a cream," and you know what I said? I said, "No, it's chunky peanut butter." <laughs> Thank oh, God it God. went over you his know? head, and he didn't oh, he didn't hear great. it. Like it went totally over his head, and he just looked at me, and I was mm-hmm. just like, "Thank God he didn't hear that," because he, you know, if he had heard that and gotten it, he would have been like, "Yeah, smart Alec." It's Chunky, no, I hear you on that one. You could put out an eye with one of those chunks. No, oh, absolutely. They are. It's it's gotten it's gotten a bit crazy. But you know, we're down to the last four minutes, and we're we've done a two-hour show. That's amazing. Boy, I'm so excited. I know. Can you believe it? So what I want to do really quick before we end is let everyone know, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, again, you'll find Denny on. Uh, Facebook and also on the net and uh, also wanted to make sure you to give your info out really quick again, Denny. So if any schools or anyone that's related to Houdini wants to get in touch with you, um, Uh go ahead and give that info out so we can get that out there. So, yeah, like I said, the most important thing is for us to keep doing schools and teaching kids. So schools, Mm -hmm. libraries, uh, you would get in touch with uh, the Museum of Interesting Things dot com or dot org. Um, and it's easy to find, and either email me or call me. Awesome. It's as simple as that. And I want to thank I want to thank everyone for listening today and listening to the ch- in the chat room. Um, and also, I wanted to thank Spencer Drake for bringing Denny to the show. And uh, Spencer, thank you so much for calling in. And it's Friday, you. guys. Yeah. Please don't please don't thank drink you. and drive. And uh, I want to thank our caller for calling in too. And I I really thank hope you. that. Somehow this turns around for you, and you um, have a beautiful weekend. I hope everyone does. The spring has definitely sprung. I don't know if uh, anyone's in an area where there's snow, but I heard there was snow in Nashville a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, (laughs) it's pretty crazy. (laughs) But with that, hey, Denny, do you have any sound you want to end our show with? Because that would be kind of cool. Yes, um, I'm going to end with two sounds. This one is fun, and this one will make Mike uh, laugh. So here's a fun one. That's my three-horn bicycle horn. Uh And it looks like something out of of a magical mystery tour, if you look at it. And this one, that is a, can you guess what that is? That is a World War II Foghorn. I was just going to say something. Really? Something, yeah. That is an original World War II. And you'll see it on my website. If you go on the website, it is on there. I forget what section right now, but but it's on the website uh, in the Foghorn. It's beautiful. It's wood and brass. Well, 
I want to thank you so much for sharing so much fun and information. We could do another show. And I even forgot to ask you what you were currently working on, and we're down to one minute of the show left. <laughs> now you can hear her telling us. <laughs> we have 90 seconds or we're going to explode. No, um, On the three Coney Island shows and tomorrow's steampunk show. <laughs> oh, Awesome. Well, where, th- where can they see you next? Where can they see you next? Let's talk about that. Uh, Where's, when's the next speakeasy? Tomorrow we're in New Jersey, uh, and then okay. we're in Lovecraft Bar uh, for the speakeasy. And then the next, uh, for their uh, steampunk thing, the next speakeasy is April 23rd, and that one is uh, in Soho, and it's Space Race and uh, Cold War and World War II. Uh, and the movies will be everything from old Billy Holiday cool. 16 to old World War II footage. Okay. Who's typing? Spencer, it's quit Holly, typing. Holly, I, I I'm not. You on, I found you on Facebook. <laughs> I'm sending you a, a quick message. Fantastic. Oh. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah, and we're in the Red Velvet Media and Holly Steffi and Spencer Drake and also no, Denny Daniel, D-E-N-N-Y-D-A-N-I-E-L. And, uh, and with that, Denny, I already, and Mikey, I already found your page. I already found your page and hit cool. the link Fantastic. And hey, guys, and bless, I'm watching Flash Gordon 1936 right now. <laughs> Have a rocking weekend, guys. Okay? Thanks. Gonna... Drake, I can't wait to <laughs> see you. We're going to go! Woo! Okay. Holly. Have a good Friday. Bye, guys. Uh, all right. We'll Bye, see you later on. <laughs> I know. Bye!